0: Our reading is from Paul's second letter to Timothy, and we're going to read the first portion of that letter, and this is what is written. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did when I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed, then, of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God who saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace. And we're going to stop there. Join me in a prayer. Gracious and loving God, we are so blessed by others. Particularly this morning in the gift of music the talents of our worship team and our youth choir. Fill this place with a sense of your Holy Spirit. Bless us yet again with a word that we might go out into this world refreshed, renewed, that we might look at the world a little differently. These things we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. <clears throat> so the spiritual life starts here. Spiritual life starts here doesn't matter if you're three months old or 15 years old or 80 years old. As soon as a drop of water from this font hits your head, that's when the spiritual life starts. Starts here. And then, and then the spiritual life is taught from here. We read this book. We teach from it, preach from it, discuss it. It's taught from here. Last but not least, the spiritual life is nourished here at this table. We eat this bread, we drink this cup, and and we're nourished. So it's begins here, is taught through this book, it's nourished here, and you think about that, and you might think to yourself, well, I get it all, I get that, I get that the spiritual life begins here, we find out who we are here in baptism, and, and we live that out, and, and we are taught in, from this book, and we're nourished here, but, but really, we're, we're nourished all kinds of places, right? I mean, it's just bread and juice, we find that anywhere, can't we be nourished anywhere? And my answer would be to say, well, not, not like here. Not like you can be here. Because this table involves so much more than just a mid-morning snack. Because it includes all the people who have gone before us, all the people For you particularly who have made a difference in your life. And it includes those people around this table. Alongside the people who are here with you this morning. All of those people are here at this table. And that too nourishes us in a way that we cannot be nourished anywhere else. And we each have a different list. But they're all there. Who sits At your table. One of the people who sits at my table is my grandmother. I have a long list, but she's on there. Hey who? That's what we used to call her. It's a long story. (laughs) But she sits at my table. When I was a little boy, I remember when I would go visit my grandparents, or they would come and visit us, every night it seemed, at least this is my recollection, every night when I'd go to bed, she'd sit down at my bedside, and she would recite the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I can still hear her voice. And whenever she did that, when I heard her voice recite that, that popular, well-known psalm, when those words would leave her lips. It's as if I felt like God was saying to me, "I've got everything under control. Everything is going to be all right." That's the feeling it created when I heard her say those words as I fell asleep. "Hey, who is at my table? Who's it yours?" who sits at your table. You know, I had a wonderful relationship with her, but not all relationships are wonderful. We know that. Yesterday, I took my kids to North, North Park Mall and, and some friends of theirs, and so they ran around and, and did the North Park thing, and I didn't. I sat in the in the food court. And I looked around, you know, I, got, I, took, I picked a particular spot and I, I looked around and did some work, clearly I did some work on my sermon, uh, and I looked around at all the people. You know, it looked like a great big table. All these people seemed to be enjoying the day, just happy to be alive, and that seemed very true, and yet I know just by statistics that a good portion of the people there were not having We're struggling because relationships can be a struggle sometimes and yet on the face of things, you know, we put it on the face of things that it all looks good but inside maybe we're struggling. That's what's happening with Timothy, by the way, which is what the whole reason Paul wrote to him in the first place. Timothy was struggling with his relationship with Paul, his relationship with his faith. That's why Paul wrote him. One scholar points out it looks as if Timothy was ashamed of the fact that Paul had been put in jail. This guy he's following is now in jail and he's ashamed of it and now maybe ashamed of the possibilities of his own faith. And so Paul writes to encourage him. You know what Paul does? Paul does something very simple. He reminds Timothy of what we need to be reminded of whenever we are struggling, even in our relationships, that those aren't the only relationships at our table. He points out Says to Timothy, Don't forget the others who are at your table. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, he says, that first lived in your grandmother Lois and then in your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure lives in you. It's as if Paul picks this table up and plops it down on Timothy's lap and says, Look, around. Don't forget the power of this table where we share a life with Christ, he goes on to say. And by doing that, by plopping the table on top of Timothy's lap, into Timothy's lap, he uncovers the thing that I believe God wants us to hear today, wants us to know today. You know, so often we we approach things, we approach others, we think that what will change others is a good argument. We do that, good argument. If I can just get the right statistics, the right charts, the right percentages, then I will change them. With a good argument. And sometimes that happens, sometimes. But does it really happen all that much? Does a good argument really change things? I'd say that there's something much more powerful than an argument. That what God is showing us in this passage is that there's something more powerful than a good argument. You can see it in the way Paul writes to Timothy. He, and if anyone wants to argue, it's Paul. But he doesn't argue here. He presents something. He reminds him of something. He, he tells him of something that has happened to him at this table with the others who have gone before him and made a difference in his life. He said, look at them. Is it because they argued you into being who you are or is it something else? In fact, one scholar points out that if Paul were here today, Paul would say to us, what changed me, what transformed me from being against the church to being one of its biggest cheerleaders is not an argument, but an encounter. An encounter. Now think about that. What transforms us is not an argument. What transforms us is an encounter That's what happens at this table. Here, we encounter one another. This table isn't trying to argue anything, not trying to convince us of anything. It is inviting us to have an encounter. For it is the encounters in our life that actually change us. I'll never forget a friend of mine named Dan. He's a pastor. He used to serve a church in a little bitty town in Oklahoma. Not unlike where I served. And in these little towns, you know, there's not a whole lot of churches typically. So the pastors all know each other and they all tend to get together maybe once a month just to talk about things. And I would catch up with Dan every now and then. We were in different places, so time would go. But every time I'd talk to him, all he would do was gripe about this one old crusty pastor that he just couldn't stand. This guy, we do not agree on anything. And I'm trying. I mean, I'm giving my best argument. And I mean, he won't budge. I can't change. I can't stand this guy. I'm ready for him to go. And he'd say something else the next time. It was something else. You know, we argued about this. We argued about that. And then all of a sudden, the time had passed. I'd talked to him a couple of times, and I realized he hadn't mentioned the, the guy. And, and I, so I asked him, I said, what happened to the old crusty bird you don't like? And he, he, he paused and said, well, let me tell you what happened. You don't know this. I was going to tell you about it. But I got sick. I got an infection. I had to go into the hospital for a week. And I was there for a week. And guess who of all the people in that pastor group visited me? The only one was him. He came every day. Didn't stay too long. He listened to me complain about being in that stinking bed the whole time. And and he heard me and he He talked to me, he listened to me, and then he would pray over me every morning. I guess I just see him differently now. My friend added another person to his table that day because we're not transformed by an argument. What transforms us? is an encounter. Spiritual life starts here. And we're taught about the spiritual life, our faith through that book. Let me tell you what happens at this table. What happens here is we gather around all those who've come before us, those who've made a difference in our life. It's a wide circle here is where we encounter Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that changes us. As soon as it happens, as soon as you have an encounter like that, you all of a sudden start to th- see things differently. You see Christ in people. You never thought you'd see it before. You see this table on display out in the world in places you would never expect. It happened this week, you know. It happened this week. You know what I'm talking about. The trial that was all over the internet, all over the news, and that young man sat in that witness stand and looked at the judge and said, can I give her a hug? Can I give her a hug, please, Judge? And as the arguments raged on out in the street as to the fairness of it all, inside that courtroom, a young man walked across the floor and, for over a minute, hugged the officer who had killed his brother. I forgive you, he said. He added another person to his table because what transforms us is not an argument but an encounter. I invite you to be part of an encounter this morning. To come Join everyone on your list. Join everyone in this room as we encounter the living Christ together. And then ask yourself one question. Who can I add? Amen.